0: If you don't know by now, comparing can be like a poison. Now, you can compare yourself with someone else and it'd be okay. But for the most part, when we compare ourselves with someone else, it usually tilts to the negative direction. Now, even in Christ Jesus, I mean, I think that we all can say in some ways we're comparing ourselves with someone else. And what it does is create this deficiency in us when we see them operating in the efficiency. And I'm not going to lie. I struggle with that myself. How about you? Welcome to It Was Found in My Heart. I'm Gary, and my wife Veronica is still on furlough, recuperating from a surgery she had. Um, but thanks for streaming with us today, and we pray through our conversations, you will realize that you are known, valued, and loved, and before you were born, you were found in his heart. So what we're talking about is comparing, and no matter who we are, it has infected us all. Why? Well, it started off in the garden. It was a snake involved. There was a mistaken identity involved and uh, two misguided and disobedient people. I ain't going to mention no names like Adam and Eve, but that is what uh, went down. Now, when we talk about comparisons, comparisons is always connected to three things. It's going to be reflected in the way we see ourselves, our outward appearance. It's going to be um reflecting of what we don't have as far as stuff. And then the last one is basically it's gonna reflect our statue, our um our place in this world. You know, how do people perceive us as far as statue-wise, as far as power or you know, that kind of thing. And so those are the three things that are connected to comparing. And now Those things are in the world. Those things are the three things that's in the world. And you can tell based on the situations with Adam and Eve, the situation with Jesus. And then in um, 1 John 2.16, it tells you straight up, you know, what's in the world. And as you realize that, everything revolves around those three things. Anything that's going on in our society today, yesterday, in the past, has all revolved around those three areas. One, two, or maybe all three. So in, in the Garden of Eden, God said to, um, let's go with Genesis 2. Genesis 2 and verse 9, God is just finished doing up the uh, garden, right? And good for food in the middle of the garden where the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil so we see right here the three things I mentioned earlier was the flesh, the eyes, and wisdom or power or intelligence or pride of life. And so you can see from these three things that God said, this is what it is it's in the garden. What's in the garden is going to, it's going to be pleasing to your eyes. It's going to be something you see appealing, something you 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 see to say, wow, that's some good stuff. Um, and then it's going to be good for the food, which is dealing with your flesh. And the, in the middle of the garden is this is where the knowledge, the intelligence and the wisdom and it all comes from the, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Some would say the knowledge of good and evil, but knowing the fact that the tree of life is it, that's all you need is that tree of life. You have everything you need right there. So let's, let's go to um, chapter three and you can see where the enemy, Satan, the snake, the serpent—however you want to call them—and then you have the woman. How she responds to that, and Adam being with her also. I'm not going to just throw the woman under the bus without that man being there too. And so he says that. Let's see where the and let's go three, five, five, and six. The the woman responds to him in earlier verses. And he says, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So you see, there's this knowing thing that's going on that's associated with the pride of life, you know, but he makes her believe that God intentions is wrong. Now, God said one thing. And so the enemy came in there and kind of, you know, said a little bit but he messed it up. And so the woman was kind of confused and says the woman saw that the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eyes. Now God had already said this in chapter two. So she's in agreement with that and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So you see everything that God said it was in chapter two, the enemy came in there and changed some things around. She thought, it was everything that she saw it to be. When God had already said it was everything she saw it to be. So why would you want something you already have? That's where comparison comes. Comparison is basically saying, I want something, but you don't realize you already have it. It may sound different. It may, you know, even appear different, but you basically have what you want. Someone comes along or your own mind will think, that I need to have that because I don't have that. And it's better because people are drawn to that person in that way. And they sound like this, they look like this and people are drawn to that, but people are drawn to you. People love who you are, but yet it's not enough. And so you want something that somebody else has and that belongs to them and what belongs to you. They're sitting up there and I'm going to tell you something, what you see in them that you like, they see things in you that they like. We all need to just be satisfied with who God created us to be, right? Okay, so we go to that, and I'm like saying, okay, so we know the strategies of the enemy. He's coming in there with something that talks about the flesh, the eyes, and some pride of life, you know, or intelligence or wisdom or however to accept something that we have already. But he wants us to do it in such a way that it gets perverted to where now we think we are in control. And so, if we look at that, let's look at Jesus. He does the same thing with Jesus Christ. Now, if we go to uh, let's let use Luke, Luke four. Now, this is the temptation of Christ. Now, Satan comes and he talks to Jesus, says, "If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become like bread." Jesus been in the in the desert for a long time, probably hungry, wanting to deal with his flesh. So he says, "Turn this stone into bread." Okay, Jesus respond, man cannot live by bread alone. We we know that. I'm just trying to get you to see that this tactic of the enemy uh, that we are going through day in and day out, it's the same strategy. If you know the strategy, then don't get caught up in it, right? The second one was, so he takes him to a high place and he shows him uh, the kingdoms of the world. I mean, stuff. Oh, man, you talking about... You can have this 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 house. You can have this mansion. You can have this jewelry. You can have all these different things. You, you know, you have the story over all these kingdoms and all their glory. And you know that stuff. You know, he's he's trying to appeal to his eyes. So we know he's he's appealing to your flesh. He's going to appeal to your eyes, and then he comes down and say, um, and Jesus says, "Worship the Lord thy God, and only Him will you serve." And the latter part is basically the let's see, Mm-mm-mm-mm. talks about Jesus says he will command his angels. He says he's telling them to jump. I want you to jump off this 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 uh this cliff. Basically, I want you to jump. And he has a command over you that his angels concerning you will guard you carefully and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot. I mean, that's like you having this statue. Um, and Jesus says, do not put the Lord your God through a test into yourselves when you have put yourself on that, that platform where you are all there is. You're the greatest things in sliced bread and che- cheese and crackers and sardines. You're putting yourself in a statue of in a league by yourself. You know you're saying I am all that, and they're going to do that, and and, and that's a prideful individual. And Jesus is addressing that, where it spells it out is in First John two sixteen. First John two sixteen, and the scriptures say, "Let me go to fifteen. Let me read fifteen. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him." For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the father, but from the world. So when you're going through these moments and you're, and you're comparing yourself with all these different things, seeing what you lack and seeing what they have and seeing what they have and seeing what you lack, you are in the world system of thinking and living. And that's not what God intended for you know us to operate under. We need to be satisfied with who He's created us to be. And it keeps us out of trouble. You know what I'm saying? You you are not pursuing things that you should not pursue. You have enough stuff going on in your life. You have enough things you're doing in your life, hopefully for the glory of God, that you don't have to concern yourself with what somebody else is doing. And that's where spiritually we get in trouble. I can get in trouble. When someone that's, uh, doing something powerful for the Lord, I'm saying, man, I'm not doing, that. I need to do that. So I start trying to pursue that. Then I see something else that somebody's doing and I said, man, I like that. That's what I should be doing. And I follow after that. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not following after what God has called me to do. And I'm trying to do what God told them to do and not what God's told me to do. And so when I'm not achieving the things that I need to achieve, then I'm feeling down and and, and condemned. That man, I'm. I, what can God do with me? You know, I'm, I'm just messing up. I'm not doing what I should. I'm supposed to be doing. This is this is crazy. What's going on? And when we get to that place of feeling that way, that is the enemy trying to bring us down. Let us focus on uh, what God has blessed us to have, and not focus on what everybody else is doing or what everybody else is saying what everybody else is achieving, let us be us. Let us be who God created us to be and walk in that. And so when we compare ourselves, the condemnation comes and weighs us down, and then we feel like, man, I ain't got nothing to offer the king. But we just need to get back to who he created us to be because we begin to see ourselves less than or greater than who he created us to be. And so when I'm sharing things to people, it might encourage them or – there's that sense of, I don't even want to hear him anymore because every time he says something, it seems like he's pointing the finger at me and because I'm not doing that. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. Oh, man, I know how that feels. You know, and 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 that is not the tension of my heart when I'm sharing and trying to encourage people and trying to to uh, build people up. The reason why I share things, the victories and the failures, is not the fact that, and how I respond to the failure is not the fact that I'm I'm trying to put you down. I'm just trying to show or explain to you that we are all going to be in the same boat, and when we're all in the same boat and we find ourselves in that same situation, God is big enough to deliver us out of that situation. And so a testimony is going to be presented to you or me in a way that says God is able. Trust him. And so we don't have to feel like um, we are the lowest of the lows of the the Christian kingdom. We can just say, Lord, help me be what you've called me to be. Help me be what you created me. I have all these gifts. Let me stop running after everybody else's gifts. And just embrace the things that you've given me so I may be a man after your own heart doing what you've called me to do. And so these are the things that I wanted people to realize as Christians, um, even people in the world, when you talk about comparison, you, you're doing yourself a disservice because you have much more to offer than what you think. And they're probably wanting what you have and you're wanting what you have and we're never satisfied with what we have. And uh so stop that. You know, trust God, trust God, trust God that he created you in such a way, just like a fingerprint, different. We're, we're too busy trying to be like somebody else. Uh, so let us begin to see ourselves as God has created us to be. Look at the things that we are good at and then just begin to explore those things, tangible things, and begin to grow in the things that God has called us to be. You know, sometimes I feel like Um, I'm so busy running after what everybody else is doing is that I don't achieve anything. I just don't do anything. And you may feel that way. I'm just letting you know, you know, there's a lot of us out there that's feeling that and we need to encourage each other out of it so that we might grow in him. My ending statement here is that the only person we should compare ourselves to is Christ because he left us an example, a great example that allows us to see who we are and who we are not in him. Meaning if we're drawing closer to him, we strangle every other comparison to death. And we begin to walk in the things that he's called us to walk in. Thanks for tuning in this week. And if you have a topic that interests you questions about anything we covered or have a prayer request, you can email us at IWFIMH at gmail.com. I-W-F-I-M-H at gmail.com. Or on our Facebook page, you drop us a comment on our Facebook page. It was found in my heart. So I pray in the name of Jesus that this helps you, whomever you may be. If you're tuned in, there's a reason why God wanted you to tune in. He has something for you. So when life seems to be overwhelming... And hope has abandoned you. Please remember, you are known, you are valued, and loved more than your circumstances. God bless